0: Yes, of course. Burl Barron. I've known a few writers who were rogues and vagabonds. And I'm Roger Moore. I didn't supply the microphone.
1: Live from the soapily, beautific hills of Encino, California, where industry and nature work hand in hand -hand. (laughs) to create a better life for all of us. Yeah. The following program, True Crime Uncensored, is produced on the Outlaw Radio Network by Magic Man Allen mm. and is heard worldwide on Outlaw Radio, Air FM, Backyard Party Network, Shoutcast, Hear Women Talk, There Women Walk, Giggle in Her Walk. And the Heartfisher Television Network. <laughs> and don't forget the movie starring you, you basket. And, uh, and now, ladies and gentlemen. That too. My God. Hey. I'm Burl Bear. That's I'm Mark Burl. C.G. Boyer. That's Howard Lapidus, manager of the Star. And it's a pleasure to be here. It is
2: probably 105 degrees in Southern California.
1: Yes, and 125 in the Lighten
2: Up Lounge. It's about that. I'm supposed to be in Vegas next week, and I I, I checked it out. It's a minimum of 110. That the room price or the temperature? That both, actually. (laughs) When the room price hits the temperature, so...
1: Hey, somebody wins. There you go. We have a brilliant woman on the show today, a world traveler, an accomplished human being... And a woman who wants you to solve a mystery. How much fun is this? Kara? Why do
2: we have listeners? How are you?
3: I'm great. How are you today?
2: You know what? Uh, You really want to (laughs) know? You don't want (laughs) to know. (laughs) Kara, you don't want to know. You don't want to know. You didn't really ask that question, did you? are you, uh, Are you in the great Northwest right now?
3: I'm actually in Colorado today. I was she close. in Bellingham.
2: I was close. But yeah. uh-huh. Now, do you guys know each other? No, from the no. Girl? You... I found her by surfing the web. Is that right? Yeah. Did, I now, I does she know that
1: it. you're from, like, you're like her next-door neighbor up there? I think I mentioned that my daughter went to school in Bellingham, and I'm from Walla Walla, blah, blah. She's from, uh, she used to live in Boffle, didn't you? Uh-huh, I did. You lived just about everywhere.
2: Doesn't she live down the street from the great Ryan Stiles, uh tall Yeah, she
1: did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There you go. See what a small world it is? I get a guest on the show, and it turns out she lived next to uh, Ryan Stiles. And... But uh, it's a small world, but <laughs> but I wouldn't want to paint it. <laughs> thank you, Howard, for dropping by. S- Stephen uh, Stephen Wright. Thank you. Stephen. Yeah, thank you. Okay. Kara, yeah. uh, we need to. As I asked you before, now I'm confused. Is it Kara or Kara? Kara. Kara, okay. Kara, when you were a little girl, you moved a lot
3: almost once a year, and sometimes more.
1: And, but you were to in the Army.
3: <laughs> no, my parents were not in the military.
1: And you did, had no idea why they kept moving.
3: No, I didn't. And now I had some good stories about why I thought they might have been moving. I, I had a pretty big imagination as a little girl.
1: Like maybe they were aliens or something?
3: Ali- Momsters was better than that, I thought.
1: <laughs> Mom had some good stories.
4: Creature Feature.
1: Uh, and then there was a guy, kind of like a, uh, an uncle figure named Jack, who used to bring you chocolate cream pies about once chocolate a month. Chocolate
3: cream pies. From tell, the tell,
1: us, tell us about that. That's a, I find this a fascinating I've, story. I've, hang on, bro. I, I find we that we're starting in the middle of everything. Nah, I was are starting at kid. the
2: beginning, beginning,
1: beginning. Yes, we're starting at the very beginning.
2: The beginning everybody, she's, of her story. She's, a,
1: she's an author for Crying Out Loud. We uh, gotten that she's an uh, international trade attorney. She's been a, a Moscow on the Hudson. She was in Three Moon Junction. <laughs> Two-moon Black Blackhawk down. <laughs> Kindergarten cop. You
5: little oh, it's a little it, of that.
2: It's Kara, uh, right? Kara. I know. I'd say I'm going to get it wrong all day. Cara. Just so you're aware, Kara.
5: That's
2: okay. Kara, we, th- we, th- please do not take us seriously. We will take you seriously and we'll take your work seriously, but don't take <laughs> us seriously. That's all I ask.
4: Seriously.
2: <laughs> seriously.
1: Yeah. yeah. Okay. The chocolate cream pie. The
3: chocolate cream pie. It was from a lovely bakery down the street called Hillcrest, and, uh... He would bring me these amazing chocolate cream pies about once a month. And I wasn't quite sure who he was or why he brought them, but I certainly loved the pie.
4: How old were you at this
1: point?
3: Uh, I think I was in the third grade.
1: So mm, you're pretty,
4: pretty young. young,
3: yeah. Yeah, and so, he brought me my first kitten. But uh,
1: So you probably know. bonded with this guy.
3: Oh, certainly. Certainly. Jack was definitely a, a pretty strong figure in my childhood.
1: And then one day... Like- one
3: day he says, he, when he brought my kitten, actually, he Told my mother, and I was, of course, eating my pie and not paying very good attention to what he was saying. But he let us know that he wasn't going to come back anymore. I was quite sad to. Well, it's kind of like Puff
1: the Magic Dragon. I know. You know? <laughs> it's like all of a sudden, uh, the guy who's bringing you pies and bringing you kittens, your dear Uncle Jack, is uh, basically telling you he's going away. Puff? He's going
3: away because he said he just couldn't help us anymore.
4: But you didn't know what that meant at the time.
3: No, not really.
1: We need to help Howard. Jack needs to come here and help Howard open the cookies.
3: <laughs> Actually, did you hear that? He's eating chocolate pie.
1: Oh, stop it, It's a Saturday
2: afternoon. You're
1: trying to get into the...
2: I'm trying to get... All right, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to make a serious amount of noise, and then it'll be over. Okay. Here we go.
1: Serious amount of no, Oh, there he's got it. he got it open. open. Okay, there we go. Okay, Thank now us. he's got the cinnamon Thank you for your. Now let's talk about the cream pie. Okay. So you, who is, so you do you ask why isn't Jack coming back anymore? Why isn't he going to bring any more chocolate pies?
3: Well, n- not at the time too much. I mean, I, I grew up with my mother having, uh, in February, having a, a, a sad time in her life where she would, you know, pull out a bottle of vodka and, and, and call her brother, and they would drink and cry. And, and I knew not to bother her on, on that particular weekend. And so I, I knew that there was something, you know...
1: Something that wasn't talked about.
3: Something that wasn't talked about. And as I got older, I was introduced to the topic more.
1: And the topic is?
3: It was the uh, unsolved death of my grandparents on their 54-foot sailboat in international waters near Tahiti.
1: And who on the boat was with them?
3: Originally, when they left Seattle, they had my uncle Larry, uh, who loved sailing a lot. and
1: Was that your mother's brother?
3: My mother's half, well, by marriage. My mother's brother, by marriage. They all grew up together. They're kind of the Brady Bunch family.
5: Okay.
3: They got married. He had two boys, and my grandmother had two girls, and they had one child together
1: named Carrie. Okay, folks, get out a chart and a graph and start taking down these <laughs> <I> names. <know.
3: laughs> it's, they all rhyme, so yeah. you know you can figure it out that way. But um, So Larry and my <coughs> Aunt Carrie were on the boat, and then another guy unfortunately, coincidentally, also named Gary. He was an airline pilot, and he was helping them uh, navigate the boat down to San Francisco for the beginning portion of their two-year paradise tour of the South Pacific. Oh, boy. And they dropped off Gary down in San Francisco and went down to San Diego to finish provisioning the boat. And uh, that's when their other son, Gary, came down. He flew down from Seattle. And uh, Gary and Larry, their childhood issues Mm -hmm. flared up, and Larry decided he just couldn't stay on the boat with his brother.
2: What were those issues?
3: It sounds to me like normal boy things. You know, mm-hmm. they fought a lot. Um, Gary was pretty intense, I think, and and, and provocative. And yeah, I think standard sibling <laughs> issues.
1: And were there any of these guys' wives or any with them?
3: No, nobody was married. Nobody was married.
1: What um, what, what business was your grandfather
3: in? He was a carpenter. He uh-huh. built houses. There's quite a few houses all over Juanita and Kirkland that he built.
2: I mean, he must have made some bucks to get a 54-foot sailboat.
3: I think they skimped and and, and they, they bought the whole, yeah, they saved, and uh, built it all by hand themselves oh, very boy. slowly. Really? It took them oh. a couple years. Mm-hmm.
2: When you say them, who, who's? Bob and de Grandma and Grandpa.
3: Yeah. Jody, and her legal name's Joanne, which is my middle name, but everybody called her Jody.
4: So, how, uh, what kind of age range were your my aunts and uncles uh, on this
3: voyage? Well, Gary was 27, Larry would have been 26, and Carrie was 21, 20, and then. So they're they basically down, all adults. They were all basically adults. I mean, well, sort of. I don't know. It depends on when you think someone becomes an adult.
4: Well, emo- oh. uh, physically as opposed to
3: emotionally. <laughs> yeah. I saying, I think I was in my 30s, early 30s. So,
2: so they provisioned up as we say in uh,
5: in uh, San Diego.
3: They provisioned up in San Diego, waited for passports. Because when Larry got off the boat, they had space for another and a family friend who was Carrie's age, named Lori, flew down to say goodbye, and she joined the crew. Mm. Cool. And so they were waiting for her passport, essentially. Um, so yeah, Lori was 21 and Carrie was 20.
1: So you got one, one young lady on the boat, right? Both Carrie. Yeah. And then Lori. Oh, Lori. two.
3: <clears throat> two young ladies on the boat, and my uncle Gary. And he had previously injured himself, so he had a lot of pain medicine with him. He was in a car wreck the month before they left.. Oh.
1: So what 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 uh, what bad thing happened that we don't know quite how it did?
3: Well they, they spent 27 days and managed to actually make it across the Pacific Ocean, uh, which is impressive because nobody had that many great navigational skills and had a time of their life for you know, they ride mid-December about a month and a half, and then they found out that my grandfather's father was terminally ill with cancer, and my grandfather wanted to fly back to Seattle and say goodbye to him. So they decided to head for the closest international airport, which would have been Papayete, the capital of Tahiti. And uh, early Friday morning, February 24th, we got a call that there was a death on the spellbound.
1: Bellbound being the name of the boat.
3: is the name of the boat, and they named it after... Very interestingly enough. They
5: the Hitchcock went
3: and film. Saw, yeah, the Hitchcock film. They saw that on their one of their first dates.
5: Good movie. <laughs> yeah. It
3: is a good movie, but I don't know why you would name a boat after
2: I mean People do strange good. things when it comes to strange boats. So, so they were. Well, Why don't want
4: to name it Psycho?
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: it probably would have been more appropriate.
2: You know? so, yeah. so we, find out. we, we, we named I mean, only these guys will get the. the our boat was called Cirrus II. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Those of you who speak well, English, now it's okay. So you you find out that there's been a death on the boat. You know who's been, who's dead.
3: Well, we find out that Lauren's dead and that Carrie had suffered a head injury, but we're not really sure. It's, you know they're now, using now, the ham radio. Got
1: to r- remind us who's Lauren and who's Carrie.
3: Uh, Carrie's my gr- Carrie's my aunt. Yeah, who's 20, and then Lauren is my grandfather.
1: Okay, so the grandfather never made the plane.
3: Never made his plane.
1: And the aunt has suffered a, a head injury.
3: Suffered a head injury. Yes. Then what? And we're well, we're on dealing with ham radio because you can't pick up your cell phone like you can now, um, and so things are being relayed via the ham radio network. And, uh, you know, chaos kind of ensues, and they're trying to figure out where the boat is, and the spellbound is saying that they're lost.
2: They're what? I'm sorry? Lost.
3: Lost, okay. They're lost. And they're relaying some medical information for Carrie, but no one ever... The last time anyone spoke with my grandfather was the day before at 5 p.m. on the 23rd. How
2: do they say he died?
3: They say, well, a couple of versions come out. They say the boom, which is the long pole attached to the mast that yep. holds up the sail and the rigging, came loose in calm water and swung and hit him in the head. And can
2: he That can happen, by the way.
3: It can. It's, yeah. it's deadly That's when it a, does. It, it does. Um, or that he had his balance off, and mm-hmm. he tripped and fell into the cockpit area and hit his head on the spokes of the steering wheel. Now, uh-huh. what
1: bothers me is that it can't be both, and so why are there two stories, correct?
3: Yeah, that's definitely...
2: That's a, a mystery. It is a mystery. Um, how old was he at the time?
3: Um, it's my grandmother was 44 when she died, so he would have been 50.
2: Okay. So still relatively young man. Mm-hmm. Although Grandpa, but still a
1: young man. Anybody yeah. else die on this boat before all this is over?
3: So the next morning we get another call that Jody is dead.
1: Jody being?
3: My grandmother. And the Gary's on the radio, and he refuses to tell uh, how she died, just that she's dead. And at this point, there's the gendarmes, the French police, are getting involved, and Tahitian Rescue sends out an airplane to find the spellbound, and they locate it, and a boat goes out. Uh, with caskets to grab the bodies and bring everyone safely home. And they are surprised to find there are no bodies on board.
5: Oh, wait wait a minute. Back, wait, wait,
2: back wait, up. Wait, wait, wait. Whoa. 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 Where are the bodies?
3: The three survivors, Gary, Carrie, and Lori, voted to bury them overseas.
1: At sea? Mm-hmm. So they tossed the bodies overboard.
3: They tossed the bodies overboard.
2: Wow. Did, uh, out of the three of them who were in their 20s, none of them had a clue that uh, maybe somebody would have some questions, or did they have a big clue that somebody would have some questions?
3: Um, I think maybe Gary had a big clue someone would have some questions. Lori was a bit naive, a very naive 21-year-old, mm-hmm. uh, very sheltered, and um, she says she was sleeping, and Gary woke her up to come take the helm and steer the boat while... My grandmother was trying to revive Lauren, and I interviewed her for this. And she said that Gary woke her up, and she was trying to steer. They were reviving Lauren, so I know Jody was alive at that point. I don't think she would lie about that. Um, I'm not convinced that she killed herself. The next day, as they're claiming.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, how do they say that she killed herself? What what methodology?
3: So she- she was sitting... There were some weapons on board, and you have to know that my grandmother hated guns, and they stored the guns above the water tank under the floor in the galley.
2: Why did they have guns? Of fear Pirates. Of, uh,
3: Pirates. Yeah, she they were the afraid voice. of being boarded or something. <laughs> yeah. And they had a shotgun, um, and my uncle Gary brought a pistol with him, and that's the weapon that was used when my grandmother died.
2: So basically Gary shot her and threw her overboard
3: kind of what i think happened but the mm. question is why
2: yeah that's you know well, the thing with we, murder is now, uh, now we have to you know we have to unravel the clock and go backwards mm-hmm.
4: um, and, before uh, we unravel I have a quick yes, sir. question sir um
3: mark boyer now, has a question um, for you here.
4: are any of the survivors are still alive
3: they're all three still alive
4: and all three are mom all three are what
2: Mum, quiet m-u-m curly mom, larry yeah. and mo are not talking.
3: Well, Laura, yeah, curly. Lori says she just can't remember, and she's seen psychologists, psychologists, and psychiatrists, and that she's just determined she doesn't know what happened. I, I don't. After talking to her, I don't really think that's true. I think she's just buried the truth down inside because she doesn't want to know. I think it had more to do with Carrie.
2: All right. So, tell us in your words what you think happened from square one, and why.
3: Well. So Carrie, when she got back, had a lot of different stories about what happened to her. She also had a major skull fracture to her head uh, that later, growing up, I would look at the X-ray of it, and it was the shape of a crescent wrench. I mean, you could almost put a crescent wrench up to the
1: um, Up to her head, and it, you could read the label heat. backwards. Yeah,
3: <laughs> exactly. And so um, she was critically injured and so I can see her losing some consciousness for what happened to her mother but I think she was somehow involved in what happened to her father and for a couple you know first she said she was outside with Lauren when he got hurt and the boom hit her too and that's how she got hurt and inside she slept often in the main cabin and uh, there was a trunk next to the main cabin I grew up with it I have a lot of scars on my shins to attest to how sharp the corners were and Carrie had a huge cut above her eye. And so I'm sure she probably did hit her eye on that. But how she got a crescent wrench shape from the boom or the yeah. table is...
1: <laughs> but what, but why keep what drives me nuts, is all, as if I weren't already, is all murders is motive, means, and opportunity.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, we've got opportunity. Mm-hmm. We have means. What's the motive?
3: So after two years of being questioned by the FBI, Carrie said that Gary raped her. And she, when they, my uncle and my mother eventually filed under the Slayer statute to have Gary disinherited, and she signed an affidavit basically saying that Gary had raped her. And Lauren was, you know, I came fi- in in the process.
2: I find that word uh, extremely um, curious. Uh, Which one? Uh, the one about uh, disinherited what what kind of an inheritance are we talking about here
3: two hundred thousand dollars
2: a piece uh, or no, in total,
3: total? yeah not a lot many, of money.
2: how many people were d- d- divided by how many
3: it would have been divided by oh no it was less than that i'm sorry it was probably more like 150 it was divided by should have been divided by five but it was divided mm-hmm. by four because gary was disinherited so there's not a lot of money the motive can't be money
2: Okay, did Gary have money? Did he uh, have financial problems? Did he have a... No. Uh, was he, you think uh, he was just pissed uh, off? Was he a gambler? Was he involved in drugs? Uh, you well, know, let's go down, all of down the list. Were,
3: yeah, almost all of their children were involved in drugs. I mean, everybody got high, and I'm sure it did a little bit more than that, but not enough to have a big debt or anything like that, no.
1: So do you think maybe he was just... I mean, being it must have been bad vibes between the family. What's? I mean, if they're disinheriting him and he raped his... Girl, why is he on the boat? It's his sister. His oh, oh he's raping about. his half-sister. Mm-hmm. Okay, now it sounds like it's a real family issue.
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I am I'm. think maybe part of the problem, the reason Carrie didn't bring it up, is perhaps maybe it was consensual for a while.
1: Gotcha, gotcha.
3: You know, and then in part, in interviewing a close family friend, uh, and her name has changed because she requested that I change no. her name. Um, she said that growing up, Gary would steal my grandmother's dirty underwear.
1: Well, was well, he selling it on the black market? What was he doing Or with? just sniffing it.
3: Well, I don't know what young men do with dirty underwear, but... Well, neither do we.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've never <laughs> been a young
3: man. Don't
2: say it like what like we might know. Excuse
3: me, how many panty <laughs> rates <laughs> have Thank you been on? Thank you, but good night. Yeah,
2: I mean, there's three of us <laughs> here and we're stumped. How many
4: panty rates have you been on?
2: to it, the truth too when i was in college okay yeah. but we were, but, but here's what we were doing we weren't going actually for the underwear oh. you wanted the girls still in the panties when you We still, didn't right. care how we got the girls we just wanted the girls and we wanted to be nice about it we didn't want to rape anybody we didn't, ah. we were there to have fun Beginning oh, so and end of story. So I can't help you with uh,
1: so the what, what oh, the guy's taking his, his mother's underwear grandmother's underwear. Yeah, on top it's of it, mother's, mother. he's his mother's—he's mother. taking his
2: mother's underwear or stepmother. Okay, well, and, and he was raping his stepsister, but it was consensual for a while until she said, "You know, enough of this. I'm, I'm blowing the whistle," uh, yeah, no just kidding. because I can. Thank you. This Good night.
3: This is a guest. Yeah. Now, I Gary, bet they're thrilled
1: with you talking about this, aren't they?
3: Oh, I'm sure they are.
1: Well, I, d- d- don't go sailing to the TV. Yeah, I don't get, the, get yeah. anywhere near a crescent wrench. Yeah. <laughs> that too.
3: Um, Gary was had a very difficult first few years of his childhood. His biological mother did not treat him very well, and I'm I'm wondering if that didn't have some long lasting. Usually
1: he does. By the he way, does, he does. First three years, forget. It. And first three months is when you learn love. So there. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. Well, I blew that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder you can't go. Who
2: are you? Yeah, I was wondering.
3: <laughs> so this this counseling person, uh, this friend of my grandmother's also said that you know she, her husband, was asked to go on the boat with them, and she refused to let him go because she just had a bad feeling about it. And as soon as she found out Lauren was dead, she tried to call the spellbound spellbound to warn. My grandmother to lock herself in the cabin until they were rescued, but she could never get a hold of the boat.
1: Well, what I find, I mean, this whole story is so bizarre. But the conversations, uh, or alleged conversations, between these uh, uh, c- get so confused with Carrie and Larry and Mo and Curly and all these people.
4: Hey, Mo! I, <laughs>
1: did. I did the Three Stooges joke. I know, right? I know you did. But I, did, okay. I, did, I right. wanted to get Shemp in there, but we didn't have anybody. There. <laughs> Uh, the stories keep changing. I mean, every time that they ask uh, Gary what happened, he comes up with a different version.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, because he did it. You see, here's the thing.
3: And Carrie, too.
2: Right. Here's the, what I love about this story, and we're going to kind of bridge into it in a second, is 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 how you put this book together. Because listen to our questions well, it's are it's flying all over the place. And when we talk about the construction of the book and what the well, book does... And, well, and
1: it's the website more than anything oh, else.
2: Okay. But, yeah, okay. The, the writings, I should say. I'm yeah. sorry. The writings. And it's just a lot of fun. So we'll get into that in a second. But uh, we still have more questions. We know Gary did it.
1: <laughs> well, allegedly Gary did it. Oh, okay. We don't want Gary suing us or coming after us with a crescent wrench. Let's talk about that after the break. Yeah, we're gonna take a 60-second break, and we're gonna give everybody new names so we can keep track of them on True Crime Uncensored.
4: If you own an iPhone or ride the plastic pony in front of Kroger, you are no longer tied to your computer. You are now free to roam and take Outlaw Radio with you everywhere you go. Grab an Outlaw Radio iPhone application. The smoking, drinking, interrupting, did I say interrupting? 24 hour party that you follow now follows you. Your iPhone is now the easiest way to stay connected with your friends at Outlaw Radio, like me. Change the way you listen to the radio seven days a week. Now available at the iTunes App Store.
1: Hi, I'm Burl Bear many exciting books, some of which people actually buy. Out there in the real world, I'm considered a fine investigative journalist. Here on Outlaw Radio, I'm simply Uncle Crazy. However, if you want to invest good money in great books, I have a wonderful suggestion for you. I have two, count them, two brand new books out right now. One of them is Headshot. It's a story of two psychopaths. Well, let's make it two and a half. Two and a half psychopaths and a baby. And uh, And two dead guys and lots of really horrifying pictures. And it's a true story. It's called Headshot from Pinnacle True Crime. Also out this month is Masters of True Crime. Yes, I'm more than merely a master of my own domain. I'm considered a master of true crime. And in the brand new anthology edited by R. Berry Flowers, I tell the story of the Alaskan mail bomb conspiracy. An explosive story, to be sure. So pick up both books immediately or sooner.
6: back to true crime uncensored yes with burl bear
1: and howard lapinas what about what's his name featuring mark cg boyer and the girl with the and looters. sometimes marie mackay esquire and a bag of potato chips produced by magic matthew allen i'll tell you we have good microphones on this show who in turn is produced by Laurie Downey, Downey Jr. And now back to the aforementioned True Crime Uncensored. I am Burl Bear, the man eating the potato chips is Howard Lapitas, and, and uh, what are you eating, Mark? Mark? Mark's eating the chicken. And speaking of chicks, we have Kara uh, Cara, are you still there?
3: I'm still here. You
1: haven't run away screaming yet?
3: <laughs> Not yet.
1: No. Boy, should. I'm never going on the radio again, Jesus. <laughs> Her website is called armchairsleuth.com, where you can follow this story and try to solve it yourself. And there's other ones on there as well. And uh, it's got everything. I mean, everything you need to try to solve this is there. Am I
3: right? I hope so.
1: What? What? Tell, tell people what all is on this this website to help solve this
6: case.
3: Well, I decided, growing up, I did this like we're kind of doing, discussing what happened as I got older in more depth and detail, and everyone always just wants to debate and debate, and I thought there's a lot of smart people out there who might have an idea about what happened, more so than I do, and I'd love to put it out there for them. So I put it out uh, the information and the facts, but I also include uh, information that maybe somebody might not know, like technical information like decomposition of bodies in the tropics, how it can happen super fast up in a day. Wow. So You can kind of see why somebody might want to throw a body over after a day. Um, It's it's interactive for the reader.
1: And now you've got links to all the various articles and... uh, and There's
3: the FBI, the newspaper articles, and then I have some of the letters that my grandparents sent, uh, a letter that Gary sent back discussing, uh, you know, what, if, he, if he had done it, everybody would know he had done it.
1: Yay! Uh, yeah.
4: <laughs> so let's take this uh, full circle to the beginning of our of this show. Mm-hmm. This individual that came and brought you pies, mm-hmm. who was he?
3: Jack was the FBI agent, and he wasn't a first assigned FBI agent to the case. He came at it later. The assigned FBI agent, her name was Natalie, and it was her first big case, and I later was told that, by Jack essentially that he thought, you know, she didn't handle the case very well and if she had maybe we would have gotten a conviction. That's
2: why you can't put women in charge of anything. No. Oh
3: god.
1: You know,
2: it's
3: not inexperienced ones, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs>
3: I'll save you.
1: Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. That's why you're, you're an
3: attorney. Have to <laughs> yeah, i inside of me, huh?
1: Yeah. That's not an evidence. So, you got, not only do you have the the story of Spellbound up there, but other people are contributing other unsolved cases.
3: Exactly. As I started getting into the Spellbound case five years ago, um, this case of uh, Julianne Gillet came up, and she disappeared from Seattle. And her body's never been found. She's still considered a missing person, and it's her daughter that I'm working with. Um, Her some of her personal items showed up in a hotel hall in Reno a month after she disappeared.
1: That is really weird.
3: It is. A, it's an odd. Can, can, I, can, I, can
2: I slide a question in here real quick? Sure. No. Um, what's your motive for doing this?
3: I want publicity. I know. I mean, if you look on my web page, I've posted up the theories and comments that I've gotten from people. Sure. Uh, you know, like there was a boat that they hung out with. My grandparents uh, called the Queen Mab. For a month in December, and one of the people on the boat contacted me, and I have someone else who's contacted me who says he has a girlfriend who knows someone who knows what happened, you know. And so I'm hoping that by and I think by getting these old cases re publicified you know, getting more pub- yeah. publicity for them, um, there there are people out there who know things, and you know, co- collectively we we can be pretty smart together, and I think we can figure these out.
2: So the fir- but the first case is kind of solving a family mystery.
3: That's what got me into
2: it. Okay, then the next case, but there's seemingly, you know, is there profit or is this like you're, you know, instead of playing golf, you do this?
3: (laughs) Well, someday, I really envision it actually originally as an interactive print book where you could pull things out and solve it voyeuristically, Mm -hmm. you know, like I have the layout of the spellbound is online and the newspaper articles and the letters from people, um, the crime reports.
1: Kind of like playing Zelda with real dead bodies
3: my friend describes it like reading CSI instead of watching it.
2: But but actually playing along, I mean, not not playing along, uh, you know, using your own head to try and figure this out
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh, and using what you know based on what you're given in the text. I think it's right. fascinating.
3: Right. So eventually, I think by the end of August, this book will be available for on e-readers because I think the digital format is a good way to go for the interactive portion of it. Yes, mm-hmm.
1: very sure. much so. Yeah. So. I think it's That's a brilliant idea. I'll, I'll of,
3: make a little money out of them, maybe.
1: But the main thing is, is and I think you're correct because of and there's a book called Seven Mysteries of Life by Guy Murchie where he explains why this is true. You can go anywhere in the world and you will meet someone who knows somebody you know. Is that right? That's true. How does that fit into yeah. today's discussion? Because she is going online, putting this out basically to the world, and she's already been contacted by someone who is on the boat that the, these people would visit. And, and the and more answer, of these connections... You. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Well, well, so the more connections are out there, the more the odds are you're going to start lining up people who have information. But all you're going to get
2: is maybe solving this case, and will that get you a good night's sleep?
3: You know, I I think about this. Is it about justice or is it about knowing what happened? And I have to say that from people I've talked to who have crimes that are unsolved, just knowing what happened to their loved one is at least as important as justice, and maybe if not more so, especially these old cases that are 30-plus years old. You know, you you don't want to put it to rest because you want to know what happened to your loved one. And so, justice would be great, too.
2: So let's say Gary did it, okay? And I'm, 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 being yeah, a bit, yeah. I'm being a bit flippant, and I apologize for that, but so what? But the, the uh, let's say he did it, uh, and now it's many, many years later, and here he is, I, I, I don't know what his age is now, but... 60-something. Um, okay. And you go, hey, Gary, we figured out it was you.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Who's going to care?
3: Well, hopefully you could actually move forward. I mean, now you can get cases uh, tried on much more circumstantial evidence than you could back then.
4: Well, but you're going to have a really hard press counselor to, with uh, just conjecture to convict your
5: uncle. Oh,
4: definitely. I but would, I think
1: I the, the closure is important, after all, in serial killer cases. With Robert Lee Yates, the Spokane serial killer, he got out of the uh, death penalty in uh, Spokane County by telling them where one of the bodies was buried because the family wanted...
3: A lot closure. Mm-hmm. closure, yeah. And a, a potato chip.
4: They
1: wanted a potato
2: chip. a <laughs> potato
3: Well, I think there's a witness out there that Carrie has talked to, or even Gary, that could step forward.
2: But they're where, afraid would have, where would they have, when you say witness, where would they have been?
3: Well, no, I just mean someone that they've talked to. I mean, in one of the submissions of, you know, people who have read this, they said they were in a bar talking to Carrie, you know, and Carrie was telling them. Um, a different story than what was on here. Of course, you know they couldn't give me more details.
2: And was it was it Carrie or the alcohol talking?
3: Uh, probably a little of
1: both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we're dealing with a lot of conjecture, but because con- con- we're conjecturing here,
3: mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm.
1: I conjecture yeah, hypnotically though. too, like Mandrake.
3: And you know, maybe part of it's also publicity. If- I mean, Lori's lived a normal life for all these years without most people knowing this about her. And same with Carrie. Carrie's son doesn't, I doubt he even knows about the spellbound. So, you know, these these people need to um, have have the spotlight on them.
4: And uh, how does your mother feel about this endeavor?
3: My mother supports it.
1: Oh, good. Because if she didn't, no more chocolate pies for you ever?
3: No, <laughs> no. No, she's been a great supporter of it. She would like to know exactly what happened to her, her mom too
4: and then uh, why didn't your mother go on this trip
3: because she had me i have another aunt with a daughter that's exactly my age and we were three and a half when they left and they just thought it would be too much to have small children on the boat
4: that's because they would would have have had to take you along. it
2: would have been too much to have small children. i mean you can't do that
4: i guess your father wasn't in the picture at this point
3: my mother was not in the picture no neither was my aunt they were going to come back and take my mother and I on an Atlantic trip to Europe. That was the plan.
4: No, but I mean, your father, I
3: meant. Oh, my father. No, they separated when I was a baby.
5: Okay.
1: Now, I want uh, to tra- uh, transition out of this horrifying story into another horrifying story, and that is your adventures in Russia. <laughs> Okay. How did you wind up in Russia, embroiled in one of these strangest expatriate journalism stories of all time? <laughs>
3: uh, I actually did an exchange when I was in the 8th grade with Seattle's sister city, which is in Uzbekistan, so we went to the Soviet Union. And I had such a good time, I decided to go back uh, for a year when I was 17 and taught English there. And then after I got married, uh, I went back to visit the family that I stayed with, and my husband and I stayed there and... I found a job with a newspaper called Living Here.
1: And that is a paper for what, uh, expatriates?
3: It was for expatriates. You know, at the time, they didn't have phone books or anything like that. So if you wanted, it it was hard to figure out where to go in Moscow, even just to get a bite to eat.
1: Okay, we're going to have to take a 60-second break so Howard can have some potato chips. When we come back, I want to hear about this strange story. We'll be right back.
7: Here we go. It's Rick D's in time for number one. And this is a very special moment of the countdown for me because I was involved with writing and producing this hit. We knew it had a chance, but it's all the way up to number one. This is the biggest hit ever for this group. It's Little D and Shorty's Got Bad Snatch. Number one.
0: done. Yes, of course. Burl Bearer. <laughs> I've known a few writers who were rogues and vagabonds. And I watched a war. I didn't supply the microphone.
1: Hi, I'm Burl Bear. That's our Lupita's Mark C.G. Boyer. Kara, uh, uh, your last name? De'Aaron. De'Aaron. Spelled D-Y-E-R-I-N.
3: D-E-Y-E-R-I-N.
1: Okay, Matt wanted to know. What is it? D-E. Say it again. That wants D-E-Y. to know. D E Y. D E Y. D U R I N. No, D-E. D-E-Y. Uh-huh. D-E-Y-E-R-I-N. That's right. E-R-I-N. So she's, yeah.
6: Ar- Ar- she's
3: Armenian.
1: Armenian. Your husband's Armenian. No, it's Welsh. Welsh.
3: But, but close.
1: <laughs> how, how much closer can you get? Come yeah, I mean, they are right next door to each other. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're... Uh, uh, so you're in, you're working for Living Here, which is the ex, uh, well, expatriate uh, paper there in uh, Moscow.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, you were highly praised. I found a thing online where they were saying, about, huh, I mean that place was a zoo apparently.
3: It was a mess, and so we decided to break away, the editor and I, and start our own parallel paper Calls. called Exile.
1: And that 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 paper, God, Howard, could you get any more loud? <laughs> Yeah, you can. <laughs> uh, that paper had caused quite a stir in Russia. It did. I mean, you guys were doing some stuff that was way out there, way out there, in terms of satire, political commentary. I mean, that's stuff that could get you in trouble in the United States. <laughs> well, <laughs> nothing can get you in trouble in the United States. Oh well,
3: we got into a little trouble here and there, but it, it, we kept going.
1: It's available online now. I guess it's no longer in print. But they have a uh, online version of it. So was Putin a fan or not?
3: No, definitely not. We, we and my husband and I left after a year.
1: Uh, did, did give us
2: circa when was this?
3: I was trying to remember. It was oh. a long time ago. Oh gosh, uh, okay. Fifteen years about. Fifteen years ago.
2: Before the Yukos oil crisis uh, or the case? Yeah. Okay. So, so, so you were gone. You had to
4: learn Russian and Cyrillic.
2: I,
1: I'm going somewhere with this.
3: I, I learned Russian and Cyrillic in uh, middle school and high
1: school. So. Yeah, so did my daughter. Uh, my daughter went to, uh, did the same thing you did, did the exchange thing, went over there to uh, Chelyabinsk at the foot of the Ural in the Ural Mountains. Where they had the uh, horrible nuclear power accident. But they told, the government told everyone, you needn't worry about nuclear radiation because vodka counteracts the effects of nuclear radiation. That's that's true. This is what, honest to God, well, no, this is what the people were told. That's All the people who worked correct. at the nuclear power plant were given bottles of vodka for emergency mm-hmm. use, and they do not see any correlation between By the, way. the high doses of radiation and the sterility and the cancer. If you
2: had a headache in Russia, they gave you vodka. Vodka would work for you.
3: Yeah, Vodka works for just about anything.
2: <laughs> right, right. Ask Johnny Cosmo, com- he'll tell you. Can you compare the vodka over there to the vodka here?
3: It's much better.
2: Did you drink, Over there. Did you drink a lot of it over there? Well, yeah. What else are you going to do? In I don't know. I, I, I don't know, kiddo. <laughs> you know, you know, I can
1: probably give you a list, but
3: I'm not going to,
1: I'm not Burl Bear. Yeah, as my yeah. daughter said, Every, in Russia, everything's unavailable unless you have money.
3: That's very true. That's very true. It's a huge discrepancy between the people with and without.
1: And she also says it's wise to master the different dialects uh, in, of Russian. Uh, she quickly mastered the one mostly used by the Russian mafia. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's Putin. Putin
2: runs the rough. You know, he's, he can come and get
1: me. I don't care. He's a big thug. And uh, so, being a, a single uh, young lady in in Russia, having that accent was a good protection. Well, she wasn't a single young lady. Yes, she was, my daughter. Oh, your daughter
3: well, I was. wouldn't I would say I wouldn't have wanted to live there single, especially at that time period. Yeah,
1: that was 97 when we were there. Yeah. But uh, we two my have bumped into each other there.
3: You never know.
1: Yeah, it could be. Anything's, anything's possible in this world. I grew up during the Cold War. I still see uh, Russia and the Soviet Union
2: as just gray. I just see the color gray. I see no colors. I, I can't imagine what it was like. Uh, and then I was kind of slapped in the face. A friend of mine was uh, was uh, almost arrested, and he called me from the, the uh, Hyatt in Moscow. And just to even hear that there was a Hyatt in Moscow was enough to just, you know, off
1: put Oh, they all got a Howard Johnson's. Yeah, yeah, 51 flavors and Putin.
3: You know, gray is an apropos description because when I was there, when it was the Soviet Union in the 80s, mm-hmm. it was just gray in Moscow and gray. And then when you when I went back in 97, there was just so much more color. It was, it was a- well,
2: then, the, but there was nothing but, uh, you know, the oligarch with money, mm-hmm. and then the money and no money. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, that led me, I was I was going to the Yukos oil thing, you know, the state capture, you know, how they did that. Uh, and Kordakovsky, who was, uh, you know, going to really challenge Putin, and they put him in jail for no good reason. And, uh, you know, fascinating, fascinating. You know, w- where you think, and I always thought of the, of of the communist soviet union is the bad guy and and by the way the bad guy but um it it was it's worse it's worse and it's worse now with the russian mafia worse would you agree or not agree
3: oh i would completely agree i mean you we couldn't have run business without the you know dealing with the russian mafia
2: no, you can't run a business in Tarzana, California without uh, doing business. And I'm not kidding. No joke. Well,
3: certainly not in Brighton Beach, New York, either. But there
2: you go. <laughs> there you go. You know, who let these guys in? Oh, did I say it that way? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I didn't say it wrong. Uh, they were the enemy. <laughs> they were the enemy. You know, I grew up in, you know, I remember Khrushchev pounding his, his, shoe. his standing in front of the uh, United Nations and speaking to the United Nations, taking his shoe off and pounding his shoe. But we will bury you. We will bury you. We will bury you. So uh, that was an
1: uplifting speech.
2: Not number one on our list. Then Bro Bear went and joined the
1: communist party. No, I didn't. Oh, okay. It was a party, but that wasn't it. So you escaped from Russia, just like my, my grandfather. I don't know what the hell are talking about here? <laughs> you come back to America. You're also an attorney.
3: I am an attorney. I came back to America and went to law school at George Washington University. Oh, cool.
1: And you? you, do you are you still practicing?
3: I'm not practicing right now.
1: No.
2: And no, you're... I'm
3: I'm writing these books and, and researching these these you know unsolved murders.
1: How do you support yourself? You got a husband? I got a husband. You got him out there working.
3: I a yeah, husband. husband. My yeah. husband brings home the bacon. We have three children. Cool. So I spend my time screaming at
1: Screaming at children. Yeah, what <laughs> is that? Man, a man. Mom's. You a want scream. to end
3: up like your great grandparents? Do what I say. Oh, listen to you.
2: My God. Oh. You threaten them with murder? No, just, all she needs to do is hold up a presser wrench and they'll do whatever she says. Oh, God. Stop it, would you? So, so you don't a, a-, a-, a- turn anymore. You were an attorney, <laughs> but you great. don't a- turn. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by the way, I applaud you for that. Some of my best friends are attorneys, and then some of my worst friends are attorneys. <laughs> yeah. I would second that. Yep. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm not an attorney. you could use one. I yep. have many of them.
3: <laughs> I specialize in tax attorney. I have a, an LLM in tax law.
2: What does that mean? Sorry.
3: A master's in tax law. Oh, okay.
2: So you can do forensic accounting, et cetera, et cetera?
3: Yeah, exactly. Too bad this wasn't a, a forensic accounting issue.
2: Boy, it, yeah. It's too bad. I have one for you if you like, but I... <laughs>
4: Like yourself?
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You want to untie my stuff? Uh, my wife's lawyer is doing that just right now. <laughs> Thank you.
1: <laughs>
2: I, you're liable oh, to have another is.
1: unsolved murder case uh, on your uh, armchair sleuth site. There she is.
2: I got yeah. another laugh out of you. Uh, Involving... only, only the truth is funny. You know that. Involving how so we're my, li-
3: my biggest thing with my grandparents and Carrie is how did the Crescent wrench get her? And, and why would she not know how?
2: Well, somebody whacked her with a crescent wrench, mm-hmm. and here's what happens when that happens. If I may just go out there on speculation Boulevard for a Please. second. Um, you get hit in the head with a crescent wrench. Uh, it takes some stuff out of your brain mm. and you may or may not remember stuff. I mean I just I used to be able to remember every record ever recorded since the beginning of rock and roll. You know what I remember now? I'm not my breakfast. I can't even come up with that. <laughs> you know, well, and, you and hit with a crescent wrench?
1: I wasn't hit with a crescent wrench. That's my point. He was hit with age, well, and that, stress. <laughs> now our stress. friend Shadow Stevens was hit in the head with a tire iron. He Look was. what it did for his career. Is that right? Yeah. I didn't know. Well, gave him great hair. Yeah. That will just cover up the scar. <laughs> and
4: clogs. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what the hell's the matter with you? That's our friend Shadow Stevens. You want to give up all his secrets? That's no, no, not, not nice. Bullshit. And we have a guest here, and she's lovely. And she's you realize that
3: maybe it was Jody who he was. You know, attacking and Carrie was trying to stop it.
1: It could be that, that makes sense, but I still don't understand why, except that he was why? mad at mad. Why? Because he
2: was having sex with her for crying out loud, and the whole thing blew up. And she had to say it was it was rape, but she, but she had been doing the guy for how long? You know, th- I mean, this is you I, I love speculating like this. This is how much fun this uh, this uh, this this website is. I'm gonna have fun with this. Yeah, well, i have to so figure so- out how to make you some money. My goodness, this is just too. Good. <laughs> well,
3: please. <laughs>
1: Let me know. <laughs> I mean, you've got a lot of people weighing in. I mean, you go to the page at armchairsleuth.com where people start talking about this, and people are going back and forth, and, well, what, you know, same sort of thing. well he's doing her, and she's doing him, and he's mad because he's getting cut out of the will, and, uh, you know, he's doing this, and then he gets drunk, and he whacks this one, and then he has to kill this one and throw the bodies overboard, and the, uh, there's a conversation. i got to right here. Between, uh, I always get these names confused, between Larry and Gary and...
3: Oh,
1: yeah. Uh, where, uh, when uh, Larry and Gary are talking, now, these guys half brothers? No,
3: they're full brothers.
1: Oh, they're full brothers. Okay. okay. Uh, Larry asked Gary, did anyone board the boat? No one could get past me and then laughed and shook his head. No, no one boarded the boat. Why do you ask? Larry answered, I thought perhaps there was a bad drug deal or something. Maybe somebody boarded and attacked Carrie and Dad. Hoping it was true. No, just us out there. And he looked as if he was almost smiling. The smirk ignored Larry. Press pressed Gary. How could the boom have hit Dad when there was no wind? Well, Gary repeats that Dad's balance was off because he injured his leg. Gary said, Dad fell. He hit the brass bowl on the helm. The boom may have been loose. Larry paused. Well, that's a slightly different story. And he confronted Gary with the change. You never mentioned him hitting his head on the helm before. He said, well, it's, it's hard to... Uh, uh, you know, remember, there's so many things that could have happened, and you don't know what it was like. I fixed everything. Mm-hmm. I saved Carrie and Lori. What did he mean, so many different things?
4: And what does he mean by saved?
1: Yeah, what does he mean by saved? Well, what? they were
3: lost at sea, and they were taking on water. And for a while, Gary thought they were out of fuel. At least that's what he told everyone, even though they had just refueled the tanks.
1: Well, then the real terror line says, well, how did Carrie get her head bashed in? Gary gave Larry the look he used when they were boys, when he did something wrong, and it was impossible to prove he was the culprit. It was a look of arrogance and disdain. Gary taunted Larry, saying, you will never know what happened. It's my secret. Let me tell you something. Do you know when
2: Gary is lying? You know how you can tell when he's lying? How? His lips are moving.
3: Okay.
2: <laughs> this is not really, I mean, obviously... Somebody on that boat did something.
3: Right. Well, there was only three people left.
2: There you go. Mm-hmm. Who's strong enough to do it?
3: Mm hmm. And Carrie may have done something in the beginning, but she's knocked in the head, so she didn't finish it.
1: Right. Maybe someone walked in and we were having a reunion. Well, Maybe. Could have been all that. What a all great,
2: right. fun thing you're doing Maybe
5: here.
1: Great, fun. No, no, the it truth is, is, is the, it's, the, it's no, captivating.
2: Hang on, hang on. The truth is, is, number one, it's captivating. Number two, it's pioneer. Nobody's done this before. So it's fun to, to go there. And for those of us who are...
4: What's the website again?
2: Armchairsleuth.com. You know, you know, we're kind of, we kind of are interested in this. You know, how does the process work? Well, you can kind of follow the process. And you can do what we've been doing for the last hour and having a ball just speculating with you and going back and forth. And, and anybody can do this on your website and, uh, and have the same you know, wonderful time that we seriously
1: are having. So it's a, it's a good thing. I take it, Gary, and you don't talk much.
3: No, and I, I was debating about how much contact to try to get with him. But I haven't seen him since I was a teenager. Oh, okay. I did talk to Carrie, uh, but I didn't talk to Gary.
2: Um, who the heck's trying he to get a hold of California. you, by the way? Do you want to return a call? <laughs> uh, sorry. He's getting um, email.
4: <laughs> did you make an effort to, uh, to acquire the FBI files?
3: I do. I have the FBI file in front of me. It's heavily redacted. They have to take out the names of anyone who is still alive. And so it's, there's blank pages in here, you know, that have been whited out, but because I'm pretty familiar with the people involved, I can guess what a lot of it is, but there are some pages that are completely, you know, blanked entire out. Entire pages? Mm-hmm, entire pages. So I could wait till everyone dies, and then I could get the full report. And when I uh, originally interviewed Lori, she said she would give me her test- testimony, but then she changed her mind.
2: Mm-hmm. Hey, how old are your kids?
3: Uh, three, uh, eight, and ten. Oh, my. That's a
2: handful. Boys. Boy, all boys? All boys. Oh, 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 moms in love. That's a handful. <laughs> oh, there you go. Oh, but man. I,
3: I love hearing what you guys are doing, and, you know, when people write me and tell me what they think happened, it's great, because I I mean, I'm learning something new every single time that somebody writes in to
2: me. Oh, we wanted to go that way. I figured, let's play the game, because yeah. it is kind of a game, and, and let's do that it's... for an hour with you and, and see where it goes.
3: It's not really about the money. It's, you know, more about trying to solve what happened and, and try to figure figure it out for my family and other families out there.
2: How many people are alive that would really care now?
3: What's left? Well, uh, well all of their children are still alive. Right. <laughs> Quite a few of their family friends uh, okay. are still alive because they were young. I mean, my grandmother would be in her early 70s.
2: So it's, it's a t- still a topic of conversation at Thanksgiving?
3: Oh, definitely still a topic of conversation. I mean, you can see on one of the second comments I got, it was a a a pretty close family in my generation who had never even heard about what happened on the spellbound. Mm -hmm. And she said it explained a lot about the interactions of the family once she went on. Well,
1: yeah, because on the anniversary of his death, your mother would get on the phone with her brother and a bottle of vodka, not from Russia, and they would sit there and talk and cry and drink.
3: Right, right. Well, and she didn't quite get why we didn't talk about my grandmother. The family never talked about my grandmother.
1: What, what Do we cover this?
2: What year did this happen?
3: 78. Okay. 1978. So you're just a kid. I was four.
2: You're still just a kid. Man, oh, I, man.
3: I like to think that way.
2: Well, you are. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> Mother of three. Mother of three. Mother of three. Father of two here. <laughs> All come- boys? No, I've got one of each. Oh. Uh, and... Uh, my daughter, who's the 17 and a half, uh, the second she was born and I saw her, I, I just gave her the bank account. Here, <laughs> <Just take,
5: laughs>
1: yeah, take that's it.
2: fathers and daughters. That's the take way it. it is. Just take it now. It's that's okay. That's my daughter. Let's in not the even water. Go through any of this. <laughs> but then her and her mother is just a picnic. See? This is sound
1: like a bit of a oh. Oh, oh. Hi, here we go. Yeah. Magic, Madeline, and the Ray. demons of decadence and a macaroni and cheese weekend. <laughs>
2: Uh, the Demons are here, too. It's got to be a great show. I just have seen who's coming in. It's cool.
6: Hey, Jimmy the P is here, Jimmy too. The
0: Yes, of course. Burl Barron. I've known a few writers who were rogues and vagabonds. And I'm Roger Moore. I didn't supply the microphone.
1: Live from the Soaply beautific hills of Encino, California, where industry and nature work hand-in-hand, hand-in-hand. <laughs> to create a better life for all of us. Yeah. The following program, True Crime Uncensored, is produced on the Outlaw Radio Network by Magic Man Allen and is heard worldwide on Outlaw Radio, Air FM, Backyard Party Network, Shoutcast, Hear Women Talk, There Women Walk, Giggle in Her Walk. And the Heartfisher Television Network. <laughs> and don't forget the movie starring you, Baskin. basket. And, uh, and now, ladies and gentlemen. That too. My God. Hey. <laughs> I'm Burl Bear. That's I'm Mark Burl- C.G. Oh, yeah. Boyer. That's and Howard Lapidus, manager of the Star.
2: And it's a pleasure to be here. It is probably 105 degrees in Southern California. Yes, and 125 in the Lighten Up Lounge. It's about that. I'm supposed to be in Vegas next week, and I I, I checked it out. It's a minimum of 110. That the room price or the temperature? That both, actually. (laughs) When the room price hits the temperature, so...
1: Hey, somebody wins. There you go. We have a brilliant woman on the show today, a world traveler, an accomplished human being... And a woman who wants you to solve a mystery. How much fun is this? Kara? Why do we have listeners? How are you?
3: I'm great. How are you today?
2: You know what? Uh, You really want to know? (laughs) You don't want to (laughs) know. (laughs) Kara, you don't want to know. You don't want to know. You didn't really ask that question, did you? are you, uh, Are you in the great Northwest right now?
3: I'm actually in Colorado today. I was he close. in Bellingham.
2: I was close. But yeah. uh-huh. Now, do you guys know each other? No, from the no. You, I found her by surfing the web. Is that right? Yeah. Did, I now, I does she know that it. you're from, like, you're like her next-door neighbor up there?
1: I think I mentioned that my daughter went to school in Bellingham, and I'm from Walla Walla, blah, blah. She's from, uh, She used to live in Boffle, didn't you? Uh-huh, I did. You lived just about everywhere. Doesn't she live down the street
2: from the great Ryan Stiles, uh telematic college? Yeah, she did. Yeah.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: There you go. See what a small world it is? I get a guest on the show, and it turns out she lived next to a Ryan Stiles. And but uh, it's a small world, but, <laughs> but I wouldn't want to paint it. <laughs> thank you, Howard, for dropping by. S- Stephen uh, Stephen Wright, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Okay, Kara, uh, we need to as I asked you before, now I'm confused. Is it Kara or Kara? Kara. Kara, okay. Kara, when you were a little girl, you moved a lot.
3: Almost once a year, and sometimes more.
1: And, but you were to in the Army.
3: <laughs> no, my parents were not in the military.
1: And you did, had no idea why they kept moving?
3: No, I didn't. And now I had some good stories about why I thought they might have been moving. I, I had a pretty big imagination as a little girl.
1: Like maybe they were aliens or something?
3: Ali- Momsters was better than that, I thought.
1: <laughs> Mom had some good stories.
3: Creature feature.
1: Uh, and then there was a guy, kind of like a, uh, an uncle figure named Jack, who used to bring you chocolate cream pies about once chocolate a month. Chocolate
3: cream so. pies. From tell, the tell,
1: us, tell us about that. That's a, I find this a fascinating I've, story. I've, hang on, bro. I, I find that we're starting
2: in the middle of everything. I nah, we starting at the, 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 the beginning, beginning, beginning. Yes, we're starting at the
1: very have beginning.
2: We, have we told beginning everybody of
4: she, her story.
1: She's, a, she's an author for Crying Out Loud. We uh, even
2: gotten
4: she's an
1: uh, international trade attorney. She's been a, a Moscow on the Hudson. She was in Three Moon Junction. Two-moon injection and <laughs> Two Blackhawk down. <laughs> Kindergarten cop. You oh, notice it, a it, of that. it's It's Kara, right? Kara.
2: I know. I'd say I'm going to get it wrong all day. Cara. Just so you're aware, Kara.
5: That's
2: okay. Kara, we, 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 please do not take us seriously. We will take you seriously and we'll take your work seriously, but don't take us seriously.
1: That's all I ask.
4: Seriously.
1: <laughs> seriously. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The chocolate cream pie. The chocolate
3: cream pie. It was from a lovely bakery down the street called Hillcrest, and, uh he would bring me these amazing chocolate cream pies about once a month. And I wasn't quite sure who he was or why he brought them, but I certainly loved the pie. How old were you at this point? Uh, I think I was in the third grade.
1: So mm, You're
5: pretty, pretty young. young, yeah.
3: Yeah, And so he brought me my first kitten. But, uh,
1: so you probably know. bonded with this guy.
3: Oh, certainly. Certainly. Jack was definitely a, a pretty strong figure in my childhood.
1: And then one day...
3: Like one day he says he when he brought my kitten, actually, he told my mother and i was of course eating my pie and not paying very good attention to what he was saying but he let us know that he wasn't going to come back anymore i was quite sad to well it's kind of like puff
1: the magic dragon i know know? (laughs) it's like all of a sudden uh the guy who's bringing you pies and bringing you kittens your dear uncle jack is uh basically telling you he's going away he's going
3: away because he said he just couldn't help us anymore
4: but you didn't know what that meant at the time
3: no not really
1: We need to help Howard. Jack needs to come here and help Howard open the cookies.
3: (laughs) Actually, did you hear that? He's eating chocolate
2: pie. Oh, stop It's a Saturday afternoon. You're trying to get into the... I'm trying to get... All right, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to make a serious amount of noise, and then it'll be over. Okay. Here we go. Serious
1: amount. I no, out. He, he, got, oh, there he's got it. Now he got open. it open. Okay,
2: there we go. Okay, Thank now you. he's got the cinnamon. Thank rolls you for your, Now let's talk about the cream pie. Okay,
1: so you, who is? So you do you ask why isn't Jack coming back anymore? Why isn't he going to bring any more chocolate pies?
3: Well, n- not at the time too much. I mean, I I grew up with my mother having uh, in February having a, a, a sad time in her life where she would you know, pull out a bottle of vodka and, and, and call her brother, and they would drink and cry, and, and I knew not to bother her on, on that particular weekend. And so I, I knew that there was something, you know.
1: Something that wasn't talked about.
3: Something that wasn't talked about. And as I got older, I was introduced to the topic more.
1: And the topic is?
3: It was the uh, unsolved death of my grandparents on their 54-foot sailboat in international waters near Tahiti.
1: And who on the boat was with them?
3: Originally, when they left Seattle, they had my uncle Larry, uh, who loved sailing a lot. and Was
1: that your mother's brother?
3: My mother's half, well, by marriage. My mother's brother, by marriage. They all grew up together. They're kind of the Brady Bunch family.
1: Okay.
3: They got married. He had two boys, and my grandmother had two girls, and they had one child together
1: named Carrie. Okay, folks, get out a chart and a graph and start taking down these names. <laughs> I know.
3: <laughs> it, they all rhyme, so yeah. you, know, you can figure it out that way. But, um, so Larry and my Aunt Carrie were on the boat, and then another guy unfortunately, coincidentally, also named Gary. He was an airline pilot, and he was helping them uh, navigate the boat down to San Francisco for the beginning portion of their two-year paradise tour of the South Pacific. Oh, boy. And they dropped off Gary down in San Francisco and went down to San Diego to finish provisioning the boat, and uh, that's when their other son, Gary, came down. He flew down from Seattle, and uh, Gary and Larry, their childhood issues Mm -hmm. flared up, and Larry decided he just couldn't stay on the boat with his brother.
2: What were those issues?
3: It sounds to me like normal boy things you know mm-hmm. they fought a lot um gary was pretty intense i think and 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 provocative and i think standard sibling <laughs> issues
1: and were there any of these guys wives or any with them
3: no nobody was married nobody was married
1: what
2: um, what, what business was your grandfather
3: in? he was a carpenter he built houses. There's quite a few houses all over Juanita and Kirkland that he built.
2: I mean, he must have made some bucks to get a 54-foot sailboat.
3: I think they skimped and and, and they, they bought the whole, yeah, they saved, and uh, built it all by hand themselves. Oh, very boy. Slowly. Really? It took them oh. a couple years. Mm-hmm.
2: When you say
1: them, who, who's? Bob and de Grandma and Grandpa.
3: Yeah. Jody, and her legal name's Joanne, which is my middle name, but everybody called her Jody. So, uh, what kind of
4: age range were your my aunts and uncles uh, on this voyage?
3: Well, Gary was 27, Larry would have been 26, and Carrie was 21, 20, and then. So they're they were basically down, all adults. They were all basically adults. I mean, well, sort of. I don't know. It depends on when you think someone becomes an adult. Well, emo- uh, uh, physically as <laughs> opposed to emotionally. <laughs> yeah. I in, I think I was in my 30s, early 30s. So,
2: so they provisioned up, as we say, in uh, in uh, language, San Diego. Yeah.
3: They provisioned up in San Diego, waited for passports, because when Larry got off the boat, they had space for another, and a family friend, who was Carrie's age, named Lori, flew down to say goodbye, and she joined the crew. Mm. Cool. And so they were waiting for her passport, essentially. Um, So Lori was 21, and Carrie was 20.
1: So you got one one young lady on the boat, right? Both Carrie Yeah. and then Lori. Oh, two.
3: Two young ladies on the boat, and my uncle Gary... And he had previously injured himself so he had a lot of pain medicine with him. He was in a car wreck the month before they left.. Oh.
1: So what 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 uh, what bad thing happened that we don't know quite how it did?
3: Well they, they spent 27 days and managed to actually make it across the Pacific Ocean, uh, which is impressive because nobody had that many great navigational skills and had a time of their life for and you know, they ride mid-December about a month and a half and then they found out that my grandfather's father was terminally ill with cancer and my grandfather wanted to fly back to Seattle and say goodbye to him. So they decided to head for the closest international airport, which would have been Papayete, the capital of Tahiti. And uh, early Friday morning, February 24th, we got a call that there was a death on the Spellbound.
1: Spellbound being the name of the boat.
3: Spellbound's the name of the boat and they named it after very interestingly enough. They the Hitchcock went and film. Saw, yeah, the Hitchcock film. They saw that on their one of their first dates.
5: Good <laughs> movie.
2: Yeah.
3: It is a good movie, but I don't know why you would name a boat after I
2: mean. People do strange things when it comes to strange boats. So, so they were. I would that name it Psycho. <laughs> yeah, it probably would have been more appropriate. You know? so, yeah. so we, find out we, were... we named I think, only these guys will get the. the our boat was called
1: Cirrus II. Yeah. <laughs> Those of you who speak well, English,
3: now
4: it's
1: okay. So you you find out that there's been a death on the boat. You know who's been, who's dead.
3: Well, we find out that Lauren's dead and that Carrie had suffered a head injury, but we're not really sure. It's, you know, they're now, using now, the ham radio. got
1: to r- remind us, who's Lauren and who's Carrie?
3: Uh, Carrie's, my gr- Carrie's my aunt, yeah. who's 20, and then Lauren is my grandfather.
1: Okay, so the grandfather never made the plane.
3: Never made his plane.
1: And the aunt has suffered a, a head injury.
3: Suffered a head injury, yes. Then what? And we're, well, we're on dealing with ham radio because you can't pick up your cell phone like you can now. Um, and so things are being relayed via the ham radio network. And uh, you know, chaos kind of ensues, and they're trying to figure out where the boat is. And the spellbound is saying that they're lost. And they're what? I'm they, sorry,
2: lost. Th- lost. Okay. Lost.
3: And they're relaying some medical information for Carrie, but no one ever. The last time anyone spoke with my grandfather was the day before <sighs> at 5 p.m. on the 23rd. How
2: do they say he died?
3: They say, well, a couple of versions come out. They say the boom, which is the long pole attached to the mast that yep. holds up the sail and the rigging, came loose in calm water and swung and hit him in the head. And can he ha-
2: went. That can happen, by the way.
3: It can. It's, yeah. it's deadly when it does. It, it does. Um, or that he had his balance off, and mm-hmm. he tripped and fell into the cockpit area and hit his head on the spokes of the steering wheel. Now, what
1: uh, bothers me is that it can't be both, and so why are there two stories, correct?
3: Yeah, that's definitely...
1: That's a, a mystery. It is a mystery. Um,
2: how old was he at the time?
3: Um, it's my grandmother was 44 when she died, so he would have been 50.
2: Okay. So still relatively young man hmm Although Grandpa, but still a young man.
1: Anybody yeah. else die on this boat before all this is over?
3: So the next morning, we get another call that Jody is dead.
1: Jody
2: being?
3: My grandmother. And the Gary's on the radio, and he refuses to tell uh, how she died, just that she's dead. And at this point, <sighs> there's the gendarmes, the French police, are getting involved, and Tahitian Rescue sends out an airplane to find the spellbound, and they locate it, and a boat goes out. Uh, with caskets to grab the bodies and bring everyone safely home. And they are surprised to find there are no bodies on board.
5: Whoa, wait a Whoa, minute. Back
2: up. Whoa. Where are the bodies?
3: The three survivors, Gary, Carrie, and Lori, voted to bury them overseas. At and sea?
1: Mm-hmm. So they tossed t- the bodies overboard.
3: They tossed the bodies overboard.
2: Wow. Did, uh, out of the three of them who were in their 20s, none of them had a clue that uh, maybe somebody would have some questions, or did they have a big clue that somebody would have some questions?
3: Um, I think maybe Gary had a big clue someone would have some questions. Lori was a bit naive, a very naive 21-year-old, mm-hmm. uh, very sheltered, and um, she says she was sleeping, and Gary woke her up to come take the helm and steer the boat while... My grandmother was trying to revive Lauren, and I interviewed her for this, and she said that Gary woke her up and she was trying to steer. They were reviving Lauren, so I know Jody was alive at that point i don't think she would lie about that um, I'm not convinced that she killed herself the next day as they're claiming
2: yeah uh, well how do they say that she killed herself what what methodology? So
3: she- She was sitting, there were some weapons on board, and you have to know that my grandmother hated guns, and they stored the guns above the water tank under the floor in the galley.
2: Why did they have guns? A fear of uh, pirates.
3: Pirates, yeah. They were afraid of being boarded or something. (laughs) And they had a shotgun, um, and my uncle Gary brought a pistol with him, and that's the weapon that was used when my grandmother died.
2: So basically, Gary shot her and threw her overboard.
3: I don't know what I think happened, but mm. the question is why,
2: yeah. That's the you know, the well, now we, murder you, is now, uh, now we have to, you know, we have to unravel the clock and go backwards. Mm-hmm.
5: Um,
4: and before uh, we unravel,
1: I
2: have a quick yes, sir.
4: question, sir.
1: Um, Mark Boyer now, has a question um, for
2: you here. Are
4: any of the survivors are still alive?
3: They're all three still alive,
4: and all three are
3: mum. All three are what,
2: Mum, Quiet, that's... MUM, Curly, mom, Larry, yes. and Mo are not talking.
3: Well, Laura, yeah, Carolyn. Lori says she just can't remember, and she's seen psychologists, psychologist and psychiatrists, and that she's just determined she doesn't know what happened. I, I don't. After talking to her, I don't really think that's true. I think she's just buried the truth down inside because she doesn't want to know. I think it had more to do with Carrie.
2: All right. So, tell us in your words what you think happened, from square one, and why.
3: Well. So, Carrie, when she got back, had a lot of different stories about what happened to her. She also had a major skull fracture to her head uh, that later growing up, I would look at the x ray of it, and it was the shape of a crescent wrench. I mean, you could almost put a crescent wrench up to the.
1: Um, up to her head, and you X-ray could read the label T. backwards. Yeah,
3: <laughs> exactly. And so um, she was critically injured and so I can see her losing some consciousness for what happened to her mother but I think she was somehow involved in what happened to her father and for a couple you know first she said she was outside with Lauren when he got hurt and the boom hit her too and that's how she got hurt and inside she slept often in the main cabin and uh, there was a trunk next to the main cabin I grew up with it I have a lot of scars on my shins to attest to how sharp the corners were And Carrie had a huge cut above her eye. And so I'm sure she probably did hit her eye on that. But how she got a crescent wrench shape from the boom or the table
1: is... (laughs) But what what drives me nuts, as if I weren't already, is all murders is motive, means, and opportunity. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: Well, we've got opportunity. Mm -hmm. We have means. What's the motive?
3: So after two years of being questioned by the FBI, Carrie said that Gary raped her. And she, when they, my uncle and my mother eventually filed under the Slayer statute to have Gary disinherited, and she signed an affidavit basically saying that Gary had raped her. And Lauren was, you know, I came fi- in in the process.
2: I find that word uh, extremely um, curious. Uh, Which one? Uh, the one about uh, disinherited. What, what kind of an inheritance are we talking about here? $200,000 a piece uh, or no, in total.
3: total Yeah, not how a lot ma- of money
2: how many people were d- d- divided by how many
3: it would have been divided by oh no it was less than that I'm sorry it was probably more like 150 it was divided by should have been divided by 5 but it was divided by 4 because Gary was disinherited so there's not a lot of money the motive can't be money
2: Okay, did Gary have money? Did uh, would he have financial problems? Did he have a... Did no. uh, you think a, he was just pissed off? Uh, was he a gambler? Was he involved in drugs? Uh, you well, know, let's go down, all of down the list. Were,
3: yeah, almost all of their children were involved in drugs. I mean, everybody got high, and I'm sure did a little bit more than that, but not enough to have a big debt or anything like that, no.
1: So do you think maybe it was just... I mean, being it must have been bad vibes between the family. What's? I mean, if they're disinheriting him and he raped his... Girl, why is he on the boat? It's his
3: sister. His
1: oh, oh, he's raping his half sister. Mm-hmm. Okay, now it sounds like it's a real family issue.
3: Yeah, I'm. I'm. I think maybe part of the problem, the reason Carrie didn't bring it up, is perhaps maybe it was consensual for a while.
1: Gotcha, gotcha.
3: You know, and then in part, in interviewing a close family friend, uh, and her name is changed because she requested that I change yeah. her name. Um, she said that growing up. Gary would steal my grandmother's dirty underwear.
1: Well, what, is he selling it on the black market? What was he doing? Or with? just
3: sniffing it? Well, I don't know what young men do with dirty underwear, but
2: well, neither do we. <laughs> <laughs> I've never <laughs> <laughs> been a young man. Don't, don't say that like what like we might know. Excuse me. How many panty raids? <laughs> <have laughs> Thank you, been but on good night. Yeah, I mean, there's three of us what? here, and we're stumped. How many
4: panty rates have you been on?
2: yeah to it, the truth too when i was in college okay yeah. but we were, but but here's what we were doing we weren't going actually for the underwear
4: oh. you
2: wanted the girls
1: still in the panties when you We co- didn't
2: right. care how we got the girls we just wanted the girls and we wanted to be nice about it we didn't want to rape anybody we didn't, ah. we were there to have fun Beginning oh, so and end of story. So I can't help you with uh, so the what, what no, the guy's taking his, great, his mother's underwear
1: or grandmother's okay. underwear. Yeah, on top it's of it, his mother's—he's taking his
2: mother's, mother's underwear his, or stepmother. Okay, well, and, and he was raving his stepsister, but it was consensual for a while until she said, "You know, enough of this. I'm, I'm blowing the whistle." Um, <laughs> no Just kidding. because I can. Thank you. Good this night.
3: This is a guest. Yeah. Now, I, mean, I bet
1: they're a, thrilled with you talking about this, aren't they?
3: Oh, I'm sure they
1: are. Well, <laughs> d- 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 don't go sailing to the TV. Yeah, don't get anywhere near a crescent wrench. Yeah
6: that too.
3: Um, Gary was, had a very difficult first few years of his childhood. His biological mother did not treat him very well. And I'm, I'm wondering if that didn't have some long lasting Usually
1: effect. does, by the it way, does, he does. You First learn, three years. Forget it. And first three months is when you learn love. So there, mm-hmm. is that right? Yeah. Well, I blew that. Yeah. <laughs> oh. No wonder your kid go, who are you? Yeah, I was wondering.
3: So this, this counseling person, uh, this A friend of my grandmother's also said that, you know, she, her husband was asked to go on the boat with them, and she refused to let him go because she just had a bad feeling about it. And as soon as she found out Lauren was dead, she tried to call the spellbound to warn my grandmother to lock herself in the cabin until they were rescued, but she could never get a hold of the boat.
1: What I find—I mean, this whole story is so bizarre—but the conversations, uh, or alleged conversations, between these uh, uh, c- get so confused with Carrie and Larry and Mo and Curly and all these people.
7: Hey, Mo! I, to, I did the
1: Three Stooges joke. I know, right? I know you did, but I, did, okay. I had to right. wanted to get Shemp in there, but we didn't have anybody. <laughs> Uh, the stories keep changing. I mean every time that they ask uh, Gary what happened, he comes up with a different version
3: mm-hmm. well,
1: because he did it. You see here's the thing and Gary too right. Here's the,
2: what I love about this story, and we're going to kind of bridge into it in a second, is 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 how you put this book together. Because listen to our questions well, are just, flying all over the place. And when we talk about the construction of the book and what the well, book does... And, well, and it's, t-
1: it's a website more than anything oh, else.
2: Okay. But,
1: but yeah, okay.
2: The, the writings, I
1: should say. I'm yeah. sorry.
2: The writings. And it's just a lot of fun. So we'll get into that in a second. But uh, we still have more
1: questions. We know Gary did it. <laughs> well, allegedly <laughs> Gary did it. No, we know what Gary's suing is or coming after him with a crescent wrench. Let's talk about that after the break. Yeah, we're going to take a 60-second break, and we're going to give everybody new names so we can keep track of them on True Crime Uncensored.
4: If you own an iPhone or ride the plastic pony in front of Kroger, you are no longer tied to your computer. You are now free to roam and take Outlaw Radio with you everywhere you go. Grab an Outlaw Radio iPhone application. The smoking, drinking, interrupted. Did I say interrupting? 24-hour party that you follow now follows you. Your iPhone is now the easiest way to stay connected with your friends at Outlaw Radio, like me. Change the way you listen to the radio seven days a week. Now available at the iTunes App
1: Store. many exciting books, some of which people actually buy. Out there in the real world, I'm considered a fine investigative journalist. Here on Outlaw Radio, I'm simply Uncle Crazy. However, if you want to invest good money in great books, I have a wonderful suggestion for you. I have two, count them, two brand new books out right now. One of them is Headshot. It's a story of two psychopaths. Well, let's make it two and a half. Two and a half psychopaths and a baby. And And two dead guys and lots of really horrifying pictures. And it's a true story. It's called Headshot from Pinnacle True Crime. Also out this month is Masters of True Crime. Yes, I'm more than merely a master of my own domain. I'm considered a master of true crime. And in the brand new anthology edited by R. Berry Flowers, I tell the story of the Alaskan mail bomb conspiracy. An explosive story, to be sure. So pick up both books immediately or sooner.
6: back to true crime uncensored yes with burl bear and howard lapinas what about what's his name
1: featuring mark cg boyer and the girl with the and rooters. sometimes marie McKay esq and a bag of potato chips produced by magic matthew allen i'll tell you we have good microphones on this show who in turn is produced by Laurie Downey Jr. And now back to the aforementioned True Crime Uncensored. I am Burl Bear, the man eating the potato chips is Howard Lapitas and, and uh, what are you eating, Mark? Mark? Mark's eating the chicken. And speaking of chicks, we have uh, Cara Cara, you still there? I'm still here. You haven't run away screaming yet?
3: <laughs> Not yet.
1: No. Boy, I'm never going on the radio again, Jesus. <laughs> the, her website is called armchairsleuth.com, where you can follow this story and try to solve it yourself. And there's other ones on there as well. And uh, it's got everything. I mean, everything you need to try to solve this is there. Am I right? I hope so. What? What? Tell, tell people what all is on this this website to help solve this case.
3: Well, I decided, growing up, I did this like we're kind of doing, discussing what happened as I got older in more depth and detail, and everyone always just wants to debate and debate, and I thought, there's a lot of smart people out there who might have an idea about what happened, more so than I do, and I'd love to put it out there for them. So I put it out, uh, the information and the facts, but I also include uh, information that maybe somebody might not know, like technical information like decomposition of bodies in the tropics, how it can happen super fast up in a day. Wow. Oh, you can kind of see why somebody might want to throw a body over yeah. after a day. Um,
5: it's so it's pretty interactive right,
3: for the yeah. reader.
1: And now you've got links to all the various articles and, uh, and... There's
3: the FBI, the newspaper articles, and then I have some of the letters that my grandparents sent, uh, a letter that Gary sent back discussing, uh, you know, what, if, he, if he had done it, everybody would know he had done it. Yay! Uh, yeah.
4: <laughs> so let's take this uh, full circle to the beginning of our of this show. Mm-hmm. This individual that came and brought you pies, mm-hmm.
3: who was he? Jack was the FBI agent, and he wasn't the first assigned FBI agent to the case. He came at it later. The assigned FBI agent, her name was Natalie, and it was her first big case, and I later was told that, by jack essentially that he thought you know she didn't handle the case very well and if she had maybe we would have gotten a conviction that's
2: why you can't put women in charge of anything
5: oh, God.
2: you know at least
3: not inexperienced ones right
1: <laughs> yeah there you go hey, there you
3: go <laughs> i'll save you
1: thank you <laughs>
2: thank you
3: that's why you're, you're an, an you're attorney
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah I that's have attorney inside of me huh yeah
4: that's
1: not an evidence. So you got not only do you have the, the story of Spellbound up there, but other people are contributing other unsolved cases.
3: Exactly. As I started getting into the Spellbound case five years ago, um, this case of uh, Julianne Gillet came up, and it, she disappeared from Seattle, and her body's never been found. She's still considered a missing person, and it's her daughter that I'm working with. Um, her. Some of her personal items showed up in a hotel hall in Reno a month after she disappeared.
1: That is really weird.
3: It is. A, it's an odd. Can,
2: can, I, can, I, can I slide a question in here real quick? Sure. No. Um, what's your motive for doing this?
3: I want publicity. I know. I mean, if you look on my webpage, I have I've posted up the theories and comments that I've gotten from people. Sure. Uh, you know, like there was a boat that they hung out with. My grandparents uh, called the Queen Mab for a month in December, and one of the people on the vote contacted me, and I have someone else who's contacted me who says he has a girlfriend who knows someone who knows what happened, you know, and so I'm hoping that by, and I think by getting these old cases re you know, getting more publicity for them, um, there there are people out there who know things, and, you know, co- collectively, we we can be pretty smart together, and I think we can figure these out.
2: So, the fir- but the first case is kind of solving a family mystery.
3: That's what got me into it.
2: Okay, then the next case, but there's seemingly, you know, is there profit or is this like you're, you know, instead of playing golf, you do
3: this? (laughs) Well, someday, I really envision it actually originally as an interactive print book where you could pull things out and solve it voyeuristically. Mm -hmm. You know, like I have the layout of the Spellbound is online and the newspaper articles and the letters from people, um, the crime reports.
1: Kind of like playing Zelda with real dead bodies
3: my friend describes it like reading CSI instead of watching it.
1: But
2: but actually playing along, I mean, not not playing along, uh, you know, using your own head to try and figure this out
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh, and using what you know based on what you're given in the text. I think
3: it's right. fascinating. Right. So eventually, I think by the end of August, this book will be available for on e-readers because I think the digital format is a good way to go for the interactive portion of it. Mm-hmm. Yes, very sure. much
1: so. Yep. So I
5: think it's a brilliant idea. I'll, I'll of, make
3: a little money out of them, maybe.
1: But the main thing is, is and I think you're correct because of and there's a book called Seven Mysteries of Life by Guy Murchie where he explains why this is true. You can go anywhere in the world and you will meet someone who knows somebody you know. Is that right? That's true. How does that fit into today's discussion? Because she is going online, putting this out basically to the world, and she's already been contacted by someone who is on the boat that these people would visit. And, and the astronaut more astronaut, of these astronaut, connections... Astronaut. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Well, yeah. well, well so, so the more connections are out there, the more the odds are you're going to start lining up people who have information. But all you're going to get is maybe solving this case,
2: and will that get you a good night's sleep?
3: You know, I I think about this. Is it about justice or is it about knowing what happened? And I have to say that from people I've talked to who have crimes that are unsolved, just knowing what happened to their loved one is at least as important as justice, and maybe if not more so. Especially these old cases that are 30-plus years old. You know, you you don't want to put it to rest because you want to know what happened to your loved one. And so, justice would be great
2: too. So let's say Gary did it, okay? And I'm, 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 I'm being a bit, I'm being a bit flippant and I apologize for that. But so what? But the the uh, let's say he did it, uh, and now it's many many years later, and here he is. I, I, I don't know what his age is now, but um, sixty something. Okay, and you go, hey Gary, we figured out it was you. Mm-hmm. Who's going to care?
3: Well, hopefully you could actually move forward. I mean, now you can get cases uh, tried on much more circumstantial evidence than you could back then.
4: Well, but you're going to have a really hard press counselor to, with uh, just conjecture to convict your uncle.
3: Oh, definitely.
1: I but would, I think uh, the, the closure is important, after all, in serial killer cases. With Robert Lee Yates, the Spokane serial killer, he got out of the uh, death penalty in uh, Spokane County by telling them where one of the bodies was buried because the family wanted...
3: Wanted closure. Mm-hmm. A closure. closure, yeah. And wanted a
1: potato chip.
4: They wanted a potato.
3: Chip. <laughs> a well, I think there's a witness out there that Carrie has talked to, or even Gary, that could step forward.
2: But where would to? they have? What do you mean when you say witness? Where would they have been?
3: Well, no, I just mean someone that they've talked to. I mean, in one of the submissions of, you know, people who have read this, they said they were in a bar talking to Carrie, you know, and Carrie was telling them. Um, a different story than what was on here, of course. You know, they couldn't give me more details.
1: And hey, was it was it Carrie or the alcohol talk? Uh,
3: probably a little of both.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we're dealing with a lot of conjecture, but because con- con- we're conjecturing here, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I conjecture hypnotically though. too, like Mandrake.
3: And you know, maybe part of it's also publicity. If- I mean, Lori's lived a normal life for all these years without most people knowing this about her. And same with Carrie. Carrie's son doesn't. I doubt he even knows about the Spellbound. So, you know, these, these people need to um, have, have the spotlight on them. And uh, how
4: does your mother feel about this
3: endeavor? My mother supports it.
1: Oh, good. Because if she didn't, no more chocolate pies for you ever. No,
3: no, no. She's been a great supporter of it. She would like to know exactly what happened to her, her mom too and then uh, why didn't your mother go on this trip because she had me i have another aunt with a daughter that's exactly my age and we were three and a half when they left and they just thought it would be too much to have small children on the boat
4: that's because they would have had to take you along.
3: it
2: would have been too much to have small children. i mean you can't do that
3: i guess your father wasn't in the picture at this point my mother was not in the picture no neither was my aunt they were going to come back and take my mother and I on an Atlantic trip to Europe. That was the plan.
4: No, but I mean, your father, I meant.
3: Oh, my father. No, they separated when I was a baby. Okay.
1: Now, I want to uh, tr- uh, transition out of this horrifying story into another horrifying story, and that is your adventures in Russia. <laughs> Okay. How did you wind up in Russia, embroiled in one of these strangest expatriate journalism stories of all time? <laughs>
3: uh, I actually did an exchange when I was in the eighth grade with Seattle's sister city, which is in Uzbekistan. So we went to the Soviet Union. And I had such a good time, I decided to go back uh, for a year when I was 17 and taught English there. And then after I got married, uh, I went back to visit the family that I stayed with, and my husband and I stayed there. and. I found a job with a newspaper called Living Here.
1: And that is a paper for what, uh, expatriates?
3: It was for expatriates. You know, at the time, they didn't have phone books or anything like that. So if you wanted, it it was hard to figure out where to go in Moscow, even just to get a bite to eat.
1: Okay, we're going to have to take a 60-second break so Howard can have some potato chips. When we come back, I want to hear about this strange story. We'll be right back.
7: Here we go. It's Rick D's and time for number one. And this is a very special moment of the countdown for me because I was involved with writing and producing this hit. We knew it had a chance, but it's all the way up to number one. This is the biggest hit ever for this group. It's Little D and Shorty's got bad snatch. Number one. done.
0: Yes, of course. Burl Bearer. <laughs> I've known a few writers who were rogues and vagabonds. And I'm you more. I didn't supply the microphone.
1: Hi, I'm Burl Bear. That's Harold Lupita's Mark C.G. Boyer. Kara, uh, uh, your last name? De Aaron. Spelled D-Y-E-R-I-N.
3: D-E-Y-E-R-I-N.
1: Okay, Matt wanted to know. What is it? D-E, say it again. That wants D-E, to know. D. E. Y. D. E. Y. D. U. R. I. N. No, D-E. D-E-Y. Uh-huh. D-E-Y-E-R-I-N. That's
3: right.
1: E R I N. Oh, she's, Ar- Ar-
6: she's Armenian.
1: Armenian. Your husband's Armenian. No, it's Welsh. Welsh. But but close. <laughs> <laughs> how, how much closer can you get? Come yeah, on. I mean they're right next door to each other. Not <laughs> okay, so you're uh, uh, so you're in, you're working for Living Here, which is the ex, uh, well, expatriate uh, paper there in uh, Moscow.
3: hmm
1: And uh, you were highly praised. I found a thing online where they were saying, but I mean that place was a zoo apparently.
3: It was a mess, and so we decided to break away the editor and I, and start our own parallel paper Call. called Exile.
1: And that 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 paper, God, Howard, could you get any more loud? <laughs> Yeah, you can. <laughs> uh, that paper had caused quite a stir in Russia. It did. I mean, you guys were doing some stuff that was way out there, way out there, in terms of satire, political commentary. I mean, that's stuff that could get you in trouble in the United States. Well, <laughs> nothing can get you in trouble in the United States. Oh well,
3: it, we got into a little trouble here and there, but it, it, we kept going.
1: It's available online now. I guess it's no longer in print. But they have a uh, online version of it. So was Putin a fan or not?
3: No, definitely not. We, we and my husband and I left after a year.
2: Uh, did, did give us circa when was this?
3: I was trying to remember. It was oh. a long time ago. Oh gosh! Uh, okay, fifteen years about fifteen years ago.
2: Before the Yukos oil crisis uh, or the case?
3: Yeah. Okay.
2: So, so, so you were gone. You had to
4: learn Russian and Cyrillic. I, I'm
2: going somewhere with this.
3: I, I learned Russian and Cyrillic in uh, middle school
1: and high school. So. Yeah, so my daughter. Yeah, my daughter went to, uh, did the same thing you did, did the exchange thing, went over there to uh, Chelyabinsk at the foot of the Ural in the Ural Mountains where they had a the, uh, horrible nuclear power accident. But they told, the government told everyone, you needn't worry about nuclear radiation because vodka counteracts the effects of nuclear radiation. That's, that's true. This <laughs> is what, honest to God, well, this is what the people were told. That's All the people who worked correct. at the nuclear power plant were given bottles of vodka for emergency mm-hmm. use. And they do not see any correlation between By the, way. the high doses of radiation and the sterility in the cancer. If you
2: had a headache in Russia, they gave you vodka. Vodka
1: would work for you.
3: Yeah, vodka works for
5: just
2: about anything. <laughs> Ask Johnny Cosmo will com- tell you. Can you compare the vodka over there to the vodka here?
3: It's much better.
2: Did you drink? Over there. Did you drink a lot of it over there?
3: Well, yeah. What else are
2: you
1: going to do? In I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know, kiddo. <laughs> you know, you know, I can probably give you a list, but I'm not going to, I'm not Burl Bear. Yeah, as my yeah. daughter said, Every, in Russia, everything's unavailable unless you have money.
3: That's very true. That's very true. It's a huge discrepancy between the people with and without.
1: And she also says it's wise to master the different dialects uh, in, of Russian. Uh, she quickly mastered the one mostly used by the Russian mafia. <laughs> Well, that's Putin. <laughs> Putin runs the rough. You know, he can come and get me. I don't care. He's a big thug. And uh, so, being a, a single uh, young lady in in Russia, having that accent was a good protection. Well, she wasn't a single young guess. Yes, she was, my daughter. Oh, your
7: daughter
3: I wouldn't have, I would say I wouldn't have wanted to live there single, especially at that time period. Yeah,
1: that was 97 when we were there. Yeah. But uh, we two might bumped into each other there. You never know. <laughs> yeah, it could be. Anything's, anything's possible in this world. I grew up during the Cold War. I
2: still see uh, Russia and the Soviet Union as just gray. I just see the color gray. I see no colors. I, I can't imagine what it was like... Uh, and then I was kind of slapped in the face. A friend of mine was uh, was uh, almost arrested, and he called me from the the uh, Hyatt in Moscow. And just to even hear that there was a Hyatt in Moscow was enough to just you know off put. Oh, they all got a Howard Johnson's. Yeah, yeah, 51 flavors and Putin.
3: You know, gray is an apropos description because when I was there when it was the Soviet Union in the 80s, mm-hmm. it was just gray in Moscow and gray. And then when you when I went back in 97, there was just so much more color. It was, it was a- well,
2: then, the, but there was nothing but, uh, you know, the oligarch with money, mm-hmm. and then the money and no money. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, that led me. I was I was going to the Yukos oil thing, you know, the state capture, you know, how they did that. Uh, and kordakovsky, who was, uh, you know, going to really challenge Putin, and they put him in jail for no good reason. And, uh, you know, fascinating, fascinating. You know, where you think, and I always thought of the, of of the communist soviet union is the bad guy and and by the way the bad guy but um it it was it's worse it's worse and it's worse now with the russian mafia worse would you agree or not agree
3: oh i would completely agree i mean you we couldn't have run business without the you know dealing with the russian mafia
2: no, you can't run a business in Tarzana, California without uh, doing business. And I'm not kidding. No joke.
3: Well, certainly not in Brighton Beach, New York, either. But there
2: you go. <laughs> there you go. You know, who let these guys in? Oh, did I say it that way? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I didn't say it wrong. Uh, they were the enemy. <laughs> they were the enemy. You know, I grew up, in you know, I remember Khrushchev pounding his, 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 shoe. standing in front of the uh, United Nations and speaking to the United Nations, taking his shoe off and pounding his shoe. But we will bury you. We will bury you. We will bury you. So uh, they that was an uplifting speech.
1: Not number one on our list. Then Bro Bear went and joined the Communist Party. No, I didn't. Oh, okay. It was a party, but that wasn't it. So you escaped from Russia, just like my, my grandfather. I don't know what the hell? We're talking about here. <laughs> you come back to America. You're also an attorney.
3: I am an attorney. I came back to America and went to law school at George Washington University. Oh, cool.
1: And
2: you? you are you still practicing?
3: I'm not practicing right now.
2: No. And no, I'm,
3: I'm writing these books and, and researching these these you know unsolved murders.
1: How do you support yourself? You got a husband. I got a husband. You got him out there working.
5: I yeah, want my a
3: husband. husband my yeah. husband brings home the bacon. We have three children. Cool. So I spend my time. Screaming
1: at... Screaming at children. Daughters. Yeah, what yeah. is that? Man, oh man. Mom's You want screaming. to end up like your great-grandparents to what I said? Oh, listen to you. My God. <laughs> oh. You threaten them with murder? No, just, all she needs to do is hold up a presser wrench and they'll do whatever she says. Oh, God.
2: Stop it, would you? So, so you don't a, 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 a turn anymore. You were an attorney, but you don't a turn uh, And by the way, I applaud you for that. Some of my best friends are attorneys, and then some of my worst friends are attorneys. <laughs> yeah.
3: I would second that.
2: Yep. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm not an attorney.
1: No, but you could use one. You have <laughs> many of them.
3: I specialize <laughs> in tax attorney. I have a, an LLM in tax law. What does that mean? Sorry. A master's in tax law. Oh, okay.
2: So you can do forensic accounting, et cetera, et cetera?
3: Yeah, exactly. Too bad <laughs> this wasn't a, a forensic accounting issue.
2: Boy, it, it's it. too bad. I have one for you if you like, but I. <laughs> About like yourself? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You want to untie my stuff? Uh, my wife's lawyer is doing that just right now. <laughs> Thank you.
1: <laughs>
5: <laughs>
1: I, you're liable oh, to have another is. unsolved murder case uh, on your Charcoal. armchair sleuth site. There she is. I got yeah. another laugh out of you. <laughs> Involving... only,
2: only the truth is funny. You know that. <laughs> Involving Howard. So my, li- my,
3: my biggest thing with my grandparents and Carrie is how did the Crescent wrench get her? And, and why would she not know how?
2: Well, somebody whacked her with a crescent wrench. Mm-hmm. And here's what happens when that happens, if I may just go out there on Speculation Boulevard for a Please. second. Um, you get hit in the head with a crescent wrench, uh, it takes some stuff out of your brain. Mm. And you may or may not remember stuff. I mean, I, just, I used to be able to remember every record ever recorded since the beginning of rock and roll. You know what I remember now? I'm not my breakfast. I can't even come up with that. <laughs> you know, and, he was hit with a crescent wrench? I wasn't hit with a crescent wrench. That's my point. He was hit
1: with age, <laughs> and and stress. <laughs> now our stress. friend Shadow Stevens was hit in the head with a tire iron. He Look was. what it did for his career. Is that right? Yeah. I do not well, know. gave him great hair. Yeah. That will up the scar. <laughs>
4: and clogs. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what the hell's the matter with you? That's our friend Shadow Stevens. You want to give up
2: all his secrets? That's no, no, not nice. Well. <laughs> and we have a guest here, and she's lovely. And I she's you realize
3: maybe it was Jody who he was. You know attacking and Carrie was trying to stop
1: it it could be that that makes sense, but I still don't understand why except that he was why? mad at mad why because he was having sex with her for crying out loud and the whole
2: thing blew up and she had to say it was it was rape but she, but she had been doing the guy for how long you know th- I mean this is the I love speculating like this this is how much fun this uh, this uh, this this website is I'm gonna have fun with this yeah well I to so figure so- out how to
1: make you some money my goodness this is just too
2: bad
3: <laughs> well, please. <laughs>
1: Let me know. <laughs> I mean, you've got a lot of people weighing in. I mean, you go to the page at armchairsleuth.com where people start talking about this, and people are going back and forth. And, well, what, you know, same sort of thing. Well, he's doing her and she's doing him, and he's mad because he's getting cut out of the will, and, uh, you know, he's doing this, and then he gets drunk, and he whacks this one, and then he has to kill this one, and throw the bodies overboard. And the, there's a conversation, I got to right here. Between, uh, I always get these names confused, between Larry and Gary and...
3: Oh,
1: yeah. Uh, where, uh, when uh, Larry and Gary are talking, now, these guys have brothers?
3: No, they're full brothers.
1: Oh, they're full brothers. Okay. okay. Uh, Larry asked Gary, did anyone board the boat? No one could get past me and then laughed and shook his head. No, no one boarded the boat. Why do you ask? Larry answered, I thought perhaps there was a bad drug deal or something. Maybe somebody boarded and attacked Gary and dad. Hoping it was true. No, just us out there. And he looked as if he was almost smiling. The smirk annoyed Larry. Press pressed Gary. How could the boom have hit Dad when there was no wind? Well, Gary repeats that Dad's balance was off because he injured his leg. Gary said, Dad fell. He hit the brass bowl on the helm. The boom may have been loose. Larry paused. Well, that's a slightly different story. And he confronted Gary with the change. You never mentioned him hitting his head on the helm before. He said, well, it's, it's hard to... Uh, uh, you know, remember, there's so many things that could have happened, and you don't know what it was like. I fixed everything. Mm-hmm. I saved Carrie and Lori. What did he mean, so many different things?
4: And what does he mean by saved?
1: Yeah, what does he mean by saved?
3: Well, they were lost at sea, and they were taking on water. And for a while, Gary thought they were out of fuel. At least that's what he told everyone, even though they had just refueled the tanks.
1: Well, then the real terror line says, Well, how did Carrie get her head bashed in? Gary gave Larry the look he used when they were boys, when he did something wrong, and it was impossible to prove he was the culprit. It was a look of arrogance and disdain. Gary taunted Larry, saying, You will never know what happened. It's my secret. Let me tell you something. Do you know when Gary is lying?
2: You know how you can tell when he's lying? How? His lips are moving. (laughs) This is not really... I mean, obviously... Somebody on that boat did something.
3: Right. Well, there was only three people left.
2: There you go. Uh-huh. Who's strong enough to do it?
3: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And Carrie may have done something in the beginning, but she's knocked in the head, so she didn't finish it.
1: Right. Maybe someone walked in and we were having a reunion. Well, Maybe. Could have been all that. What a Sorry. great, fun thing you're doing Maybe here.
3: Great, yeah.
2: fun. No, no the it truth is, is, is the, it's, the, it's, the, it's no. captivating. Hang on. The truth is, is, number one, it's captivating. Number two, it's pioneer. Nobody's done this before. So it's fun to, to go there. And for those of us who are...
4: What's the website again?
2: Armchairsleuth.com you know, you know, we're kind of, We kind of are interested in this. You know, how does the process work? Well, you can kind of follow the process. And you can do what we've been doing for the last hour and having a ball just speculating with you and going back and forth. And, and anybody can do this on your website and, uh, and have the same you know, wonderful time that we seriously are having. So it's, uh, it's a good thing.
1: I take it, Gary, and you don't talk much.
3: No, and I, I, I was debating about how much contact to try to get with him. But I haven't seen him since I was a teenager. Oh, okay. I did talk to Carrie, uh, but I didn't talk to Gary. Um, who the heck's trying he to get a hold of you, California. by
2: the way? Do you want to return a call? <laughs> uh, sorry. He's getting um, email.
4: <laughs> did you make an effort to, uh, to acquire the FBI files?
3: I do. I have the FBI file in front of me. It's heavily redacted. They have to take out the names of anyone who is still alive. And so there's blank pages in here, you know, that have been whited out, but because I'm pretty familiar with the people involved, I can guess what a lot of it is, but there are some pages that are completely, you know, blanked entire out. Entire pages? Mm-hmm, entire pages. So I could wait till everyone dies, and then I could get the full report. And when I uh, originally interviewed Lori, she said she would give me her test- testimony, but then she changed her mind.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: Hey, how old are your kids?
3: Uh, three uh, eight and ten. Oh my that's
2: a handful boys. Boy, all boys all boys oh, oh mom's in
5: love that's a handful <laughs> oh there you go oh
2: but
3: man I, I love hearing what you guys are doing and you know when people write me and tell me what they think happened it's great because i always I mean, i'm learning something new every single time that somebody writes into
2: me oh we wanted to go that way i figured let's play the game because yeah it is kind of a game and, and let's do that for an hour with you <laughs> and, and see where it goes
3: it's not really about the money. It's you know more about trying to solve what happened and and try to figure figure it out for my family and other families out there.
2: How many people are alive that would really care now? What's left?
3: Well, uh, well all of their children are still alive. Right. <laughs> Quite a few of their family friends uh, okay. are still alive because they were young. I mean, my grandmother would be in her early seventies.
2: So it's it's a it's still a topic of conversation at Thanksgiving.
3: Oh, definitely still a topic of conversation. I mean, you can see on one of the second comments I got, it was a, a, a pretty close family in my generation who had never even heard about what happened on the spellbound. Mm-hmm. And she said it explained a lot about the interactions of the family once she went on. And well,
1: yeah, because on the anniversary of his death, your mother would get on the phone with her brother and a bottle of vodka, from, not from Russia, and they would sit there and talk and cry and drink.
3: Right, right. Well, and she didn't quite get why we didn't talk about my grandmother. The family never talked about my grandmother.
2: What, what, what Do we cover this? What year did this happen?
3: 78. Okay. 1978. So you're just a kid. I was four.
2: You're still just a kid. Man, oh, I, man.
3: I like to think that way.
2: Well, you are. How's that? <laughs> Mother of three. Mother of three. Mother of three. Father of two here. All comp- boys? No, I've got one of each. Wow. Uh, and... Uh, my daughter who's the 17 and a half uh the second she was born and i saw her i i just gave her the bank account Here, you hear <laughs> yeah
5: take that's it.
2: fathers and daughters that's just the way it is just take it now it's that's okay that's my daughter you know, let's in not the even water. go through any of this but then her and her mother is just a picnic
1: See, it like a bit of a- oh oh, oh yeah, here we go yeah. magic metal and the right. demons and decadence and a macaroni and cheese weekend
2: <laughs> Uh, the demons are here too. It's gotta be a great show. I just I've seen who's coming in. It's cool. hey
6: Jimmy the P is here Jimmy too. The